Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. You know, I work as a as a family therapist, and as a family therapist, you're introduced to many different types of families. Families come basically like humans in all different shapes, sizes, and forms. Some there's single mothers, single fathers. Um, parents who have uh, married twice, maybe even three times, or, you know, children living with their parents, living without their parents, um, living with people that they aren't married to. Basically, in today's society, there are all different types of families. I'm here with my friend, the Imam Farhan Iqbal. Farhan, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. And what we really want to know, the doubt that we want to uncover today, is what is the Islamic representation of a family? And what advice and what message can we give to individuals who may find themselves in these different configurations of families? So Farhan, I want to start off with the first question, you know, what is the Islamic definition of a family? Actually, Maris, this is uh, probably the biggest question you've asked me ever since we started this podcast. Um, there is no one definition I can I can give. Uh, there are so many things that uh, that are part of an Islamic marriage, and so we we should start with the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his marriages and 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 how he was a model for all of us. Uh, and then we have the Sahaba, the companions, and then after that, we have the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, peace be upon him, peace be upon all of them, and the Khulafa who came after them. So, you know, it when it comes to Islamic marriage, I think the, the words that sum it up are the words of the Prophet Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which are, خَيْرُكُمْ خَيْرُكُمْ لِأَهْلِهِ he said that the best among you is the one who is best in treatment of his spouses, of, of his spouse and his, and his family. And I am the best when it comes to treatment of my family. So harmony, peace, togetherness, unity, uh, flexibility, all these different things are part of an Islamic marriage per se. Um then we get into the process of becoming married to someone. Then we get into the actual process uh, of, of what, what, what constitutes a marriage, an official marriage in Islam. And then we get into the post-marriage life, like the, the life after you have become married. So there are so many aspects to this. I think we have explored a few of them in the past episodes, and we can explore a few more in today's episode. So, you know, one of the things when I talk to families, they say one of the things that they say to me is, you know, love is perhaps the most important thing um, that a family can have. Or they'll say things like good communication is something that a family needs to have. 
are there some guidelines that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has set out um, that are specific for families that they can hold on to? Yeah, so the Quran is very clear. The Quran talks about marriage in different places and, and, and says that staying within those bounds uh, is what constitutes a marriage. You know, it reminds me of a very interesting statement by Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the first, which is the first caliph after the promised Messiah, Hazrat Hakim Malvi Nuruddin was his name. And uh, he says in, in, in commentary of one of the verses of the Quran is that what is ibadat? You know, when, it, when, we, when we talk about ibadat, when, talk, when we talk about worship, what is worship? Worship is doing something in accordance with the will of Allah. And so he gives the example of marriage. He says that, you know, if I get into a relationship within, my, within a marriage, my relationship, my intimate relationship with my wife is not much different physically, in physical terms, is not much different from a relationship outside the marriage. Within the marriage, it is part of obedience to Allah. Outside the marriage, if I, if I get involved in the same things, in the same intimacy, outside of the bounds of marriage, it is disobedience to God. So he was giving an ex interesting explanation of what is ibadat and what is obedience to God. And, and, and so I think that's what it is, that when, when it comes to the Islamic definition of marriage, it is the relationship between a man and a woman, which is in accordance with the law of Allah, with the law of God. Uh, and, and if it's outside of the law of God, then it's not a marriage from an Islamic perspective. So what exactly, if we can get more specific, what exactly are these laws that God has set out um, for, a, for a marriage? So there, there are numerous laws, uh, and and we can we can uh, talk about several of them. Um, there, there's a there's the commandment that men and women should marry early. For instance, they they shouldn't delay marriage unnecessarily. We live in a society nowadays where marriage is put off until a person becomes settled or whatever other reasons there are. Islam says that in Islam, we are encouraged to, to marry early. For instance, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was married by the age of 25. The promised Messiah even earlier. He was married even earlier. And so that, that's one example of, 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 uh, of something that is encouraged. Then when it comes to the, the process before the marriage, right? Uh, it's uh, the marriage should uh, be arranged in the sense that the parents should be involved, uh, especially for the girl, her, her guardian or her father should be involved and should have a, should have a say. Islam term, gives the term wali to the person who is, who's representing the girl, uh, the, the bride. And so uh, th that's another part of the marriage process that Islam encourages that it, boys and girls should not meet openly, should not intermingle uh, before marriage because that can lead to, again, back to the same example, disobedience to God because you get into a relationship that is not within the bounds of marriage, which, which Islam defines as marriage, right? So that is another way to look at it, that that, that is another extreme uh, that you should not be involved in. Then there are other things that you could do which are, which are against the commandments of God. And so we have to be within those limits if we want to have a good, righteous Islamic marriage. 
And, you know, um, and, and I'm sure many doubts can come out of um, some of the statements that you've said, and we would love to hear those doubts. But I want to go back to some of the things that you said earlier, um, that, you know, many people in, in these days, they prolong the, the time that they get married. They want to get married later on. They think financial burdens um, would overtake them and they won't be able to survive financially speaking. And I'm just reminded of um, this concept of risk, you know, um, the the destiny that a person uh, brings. Ideally, we talk about risk when it comes to um, children being born, that, you know, every child that's born um, is, is born with their own destiny and their own kind of um, fate you can call it and that's why in islam you shouldn't um not have children for the sake of poverty um so does the same apply for someone who's about to get married so say a man is is worried that you know financially i'm not ready to get married but if he if there is an opportunity he should take it because his wife will probably bring her own destiny as well yeah, so destiny, you know, it's it's in the hands of God. Uh, I think uh, we have to avoid the extremes that people tend to get into when it comes to these things. And uh, ultimately, everything is in the hands of Allah. But uh, people sometimes go too far. And they have this concept of soulmates, for instance, uh, before marriage. Or these other ideas about things happening the way they should be happening and that we as humans have no control over this. Uh, these are, for instance, soulmates is a concept that it, that comes to us from Greek mythology. It's not even, uh, it's, it's, it's un- totally unrelated to Islam, but many Muslims uh, tend to like it or adopt it and uh, non-Muslims as well. So when it comes to marriage, uh, we have to be plain and simple. I mean, we, we, we shouldn't overcomplicate things uh, that are that are just there and just start suggesting that, uh, you know, this is destiny. Everything is in the hands of Allah and uh, what w- what He has done, what Allah has done is part of the destiny that Allah has, has, has decreed is that He has given us a space to do what we like within certain limits, right? And so He has given some, given us some free will to, to do things uh, within within certain limits. So overstating uh, the idea of destiny, I think, is is a wrong uh, direction to take when it comes to Islam. And, and I also think, you know, there's a large part of trust that should be placed in God uh, when it comes to marriage, especially. Um, you know, I'm reminded as we're closing up with this conversation, a conversation that I had with a friend of mine. And this friend, you know, he, he's married, and he says to me that, you know, I tell my wife this um, often, that the, the reason why I am good to you or the reason why you perhaps even like me as a husband is because how I treat you directly influences my relationship with God. And, and I was always really impressed by his thinking that, you know, he thinks that his relationship with his wife is directly in line with how his relationship would be to God. So if his relationship with wife with his wife is tainted, then his relationship with God is also tainted. There, there are, there are a hadith, in fact, 
which uh, which point towards this and and uh, uh, you know god says in, uh, for instance there's one hadith which says that if a person puts a morsel of food in in his wife's mouth uh, out of out of uh, love for Allah, right? So it's, he's doing it for the sake of Allah. Then that is a great deed. That is a very righteous deed uh, that uh, will earn him the pleasure of Allah. So, the, 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 you know, our relationship obviously has an impact. You know, a man and a woman, their relationship has, what, what kind of relationship they have, it impacts the relationship with God. And the reason why we are talking about this subject today is because in Islam, there is a certain sacredness when it comes to the family unit, when it comes to the man and the woman coming together for marriage and within those bounds, within the uh, obedience of Allah, within those rules, all these things combined, there is a certain sacredness that, 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 that results, that, that is a result of all these things. Because if you think about it, there's a lot of work that goes into this. So when children are born, they, we do proper terbiyat. Over the years, their proper terbiyat, their proper moral training is done. And eventually, when they are ready to get married, the parents are all involved. They look at their own children's terbiyat. They look at the terbiyat or the moral training of the person they're going to marry. And then the families come together. And there are, there's a ceremony. There's a, there's a nikah. There's an announcement in the mosque. And then after the mosque announcement, there's a feast, uh, one for the girl uh, officially leaving her home and one for the boy as a reception after the consummation of marriage. So all these things put together solidify a concept of, a, a concept of the family. A family unit is formed, which is the smallest unit within a society. And for if that unit is working, if that small unit is working properly, then the entire society functions better. And that is what the Islamic proposal is when it comes to uh, marriage and all these related matters. And you know, if the family life is the basis of society, then it really lets us know how important that family life should be, that it should be based on honesty, that it should be based on uh, piety and righteousness, and, and a lot of moral qualities that are ingrained in a family will obviously um, show themselves in society. That if a family has low morals, then obviously the society will also have low morals and vice versa. And, you know, while you were talking about nikah, I was also thinking about, you know, the idea that during the nikah ceremony, God is held as a witness between the two um, in accepting it. So how much sacredy there is just in that process? Yeah, the, 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 you know, so we come back to the basic nikah verses in that are from the Quran that are recited. And if you look at it, the emphasis is on taqwa and righteousness. And so, you know, this is another topic. We can, we can definitely continue from here. But what I wanted to emphasize in this episode is the concept of the family, which is very important in Islam. And, you know, unfortunately, due to time, we, we weren't able to reach uh, the second part of uh, this conversation, which is, you know, what messages do we send out 
or what can we say to those individuals or those families that aren't that don't really fit this prototype uh, of uh, of Islamic definition of family? You know, we have um, children who come from divorced families, children who come from families where uh, multiple marriages have taken place, or you know, individuals who have may have married more than once. Um, so what what is the Islamic kind of response to some of the doubts that they may be having? And how can we include them in our conversation? Once again, this is the Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. If you like what you listen to, please take a moment to like it. It helps. <laughs> It is the truth from thy Lord. Be not, therefore, of those who doubt.